iniquity and unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. So what the writer there in Romans chapter 6 is talking about is that thing that you give yourself to is going to become your master. That thing that we continually give ourselves to is going to be the thing that rules and reigns in our lives. And if we continually give ourselves uh, over to the flesh, we're going to become servants to our flesh. Whatever the flesh says to do, you can't control your desires and you begin to just give in and act out in sin. And you begin to uh, go against the law of God. But if you and we today, as the people of God, will yield ourselves over to God. If we will yield ourselves over to to that new nature that God wants to put into our lives, we can become his servants and not be uh, dictated uh, by the by every whim and every desire of our flesh. But we've got to yield ourselves to God. The key is to yield yourself to the things of God. There's going to be times when you do not want to yield yourself to it. There's going to be times when uh, even just maybe a few weeks ago we said let's have a 21 day fast. I guarantee many, even myself included, there was that, that part of us that said, man, I got, I don't want to fast. I, I like to eat. I like to enjoy the desserts. I like to enjoy the beautiful varieties of food that's here in California. I love to eat. But I've got to tell my flesh, you're not going to rule and reign in my life. I'm going to be a servant of his. And I, if you, if you begin to just Continually yield yourself and submit yourself to whatever the flesh wants to do. It will not be long before you begin to fall into grotesque sins. Because you're just giving yourself over to whatever the carnal man wants. The carnal man. Some notes that I I took in, in my study. The carnal man. To give you a little bit of a description of what this man looks like. You say, well, we use that word carnal uh, and a carnal man or a carnal woman. But a lot, a lot of times we don't really know what that looks like uh, or what that, uh, how to describe it. But I would describe it as this. The carnal man is neither hot for the truth nor hot for conversions. They're not really, they're not really in love with truth uh, uh, and, and they're not really in, in love with being converted. They're not hot for holiness. They're not, they don't love holiness. But they're also not zealous enough to make the devil angry. They're not fervent enough to make a living sacrifice of themselves upon the altar. This uh, carnal man, this carnal individual is not hot enough to be completely cut off from God. He's just lukewarm. The carnal man is not someone that is just this grotesque. Uh, sinner in the very beginning, but they, they, they're trying to find this middle road. How can I How can I just kind of do what I need to do without making him too angry and without making the, the world too angry? I mean, how can I kind of live uh, in this middle gray area of life? How can I kind of go through life and not make anybody angry? How can I not be uh, completely on fire for God, but not completely cold and cut off from him? His condition, the condition of a carnal man is one of indifference. And carelessness. People that come and they're just indifferent to everything that's going on here. And they're, they're just kind of careless. You know, I don't really care what you guys do. I'm just going to kind of show up to, to whatever, whatever your reasoning or logic is. That, that's a carnal man. That, and you've got to watch out in that carnal nature. That Because that flesh that's bent towards sin will want to go right back to what it, what it knows to do and, and to give in. This carnal man, this carnal woman is not a raging sinner or infidel. 
He's not a raging sinner, but he's, he's not an earnest believer. He's not on fire for God either. The carnal man is not a, uh, this, this crazy sinner, but he's also not this, this on fire for God. He's trying to find this middle road. This carnal individual does not oppose the, the preached word of God and the taught word of God, but neither does he defend it. The carnal person says, you know, I'm not going to fight against what you're being preached, what you're preaching, but I'm also not going to defend it or stand and back you up. I'm just going to kind of sit here. I'm just going to uh, allow it to kind of go in one ear and out the other. I'm just, whatever you say, that's fine. Does it, I, that's indifference. That's carelessness. Amen. But, and the carnal man has these different uh, qualities and characteristics that is seen in his life. He doesn't work mischief. The carnal person is not trying to work uh, problems and create problems, but also the carnal person is neither trying to do any good for the kingdom of God. They're just going along to get along, and they're, they're allowing the, na- the carnal nature to keep them at bay. They're allowing the carnal man to keep them uh, to keep them under control, and they're yielding themselves as servants to the flesh. The carnal person does not have a bad reputation of immorality. But he's also not distinguishable in holiness. Talking about what a carnal person looks like. This person would rather sit at home and veg and hang out instead of go to church or go to prayer. Instead of dancing and shouting, he'll criticize those who dance and shout. And everything that this carnal person would do is half-hearted in its extent and in its its, uh, fullness. It's half-hearted at best. The carnal man. And these are things that we all, if we're not careful, we can easily fall into that trap. And we can all easily fall into this this routine, this rut of being carnal and being away from God and and being indifferent towards the things of God. We just kind of go along and nobody can distinguish if we're really living for God or if we're just a good person. There's not that distinguishing. And the branches of the old nature have grown again from the old stump in the ground. If you could go to the next she has it here. The, the branches that you see in this particular illustration represent a carnal man. They've, they've come to God and they've, they've repented and they've cut off the old life and God has begun a new work in their life and there's that new gravity right there smack in the middle of this tree stump. But if that person that is uh, this tree and this is, this is your life, if you're not careful and those other branches on the, on the left and on the right side begin to, begin to spring up in your life, If you don't continue to cut that off, it's going to overcome. It's going to overcome the work that God wants to do. And suddenly that grafted nature that God put in your life in the very middle of this tree cannot get the sun that it needs to survive. It cannot. uh, it's, It's fighting for resources to be able to grow. And in our lives, we've got to realize there are things that are going to be competing for my time and for my energies and for my heart and for my desire if I'm not watching and I'm not saying God help me to keep the, the flesh at bay help me to keep the natural man the carnal man cut off it's going to choke out the work that God wants to do in our lives amen it's you don't have to do anything amen this will happen naturally Right here, this will happen naturally. You don't have to do anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. And those old branches are going to begin to pop up in your life. And, and you're going to begin to struggle with different uh, issues and different tr- and different struggles and different vices. And the old nature is going to begin to come up in your life. And you're going to begin to say, man, I thought I repented of that sin. I thought God helped me to overcome that. I thought God washed it away in the waters of baptism. And God did. 
but you're not careful. The old nature begins to pop up. And we say, man, I love coming to church in the very beginning. I thought abundant life was a wonderful place. But, but through the course of the process of time, I did not fight against the old flesh. And then now it's beginning to overtake me. I'm struggling with immorality. I'm struggling with idolatry and, and witchcraft and prayerlessness and variances are in my life and the cares of this life and pride and hatred, jealousy and anger. Just to mention a few are things I'm struggling with. Because you didn't keep continuing to cut off the old man and say, you know what, flesh? I know you're tired. I know you're dealing with stuff. You're going to go to that front of the altar and you're going to lift up your hands, flesh. Brother Walmer said it, said it well, I think it was last week or a couple weeks before. He said, sometimes you got to talk to your soul. Soul, you're going to get up and you're going to do this. You've got to talk to yourself. Say, you know what, flesh? I know you're tired. I know there's the cares of this life and, and there's work and there's family and there's uh, animosities and there's all these things that I'm battling with, but I'm going to get to where God wants me to be and I'm going to say, God, I repent again. God, cut away the old works of my flesh. Help me to overcome. Help me to live victoriously. Living in the flesh. This carnal man. And I'm going to address some of these issues that we see up here. Uh, a lot of times we don't always take the time in church to address a lot of these um, qualities or, or inequalities, if you want to call them that, that are addressed on this this tree. Uh, these, these are issues that if we're not careful, they'll begin to arise up in our life. The first one there is immorality. Immorality, it will just come naturally. Again, you ain't got to stoke the flames of immorality. It's just you're just going to naturally want to be immoral because that's our flesh. That's our nature. Immorality is living without respect for right or wrong. Living without respect for right or wrong. And we live in a day in which this country has become more immoral than it ever has before. And they, there's a lack of respect for what's right and what's wrong. And the Bible says in the last days they're going to call it good evil and they're going to call evil good. And everything's going to be flipped on its head. And if you're not careful, you can begin to identify with the philosophies and the ideologies of this world and think, you know what? It's not so bad if a man gets together with another man. Because it's been taught in my schools. It's not so bad if we just, uh, you know, pro- we, we uh, become proponents of a woman needs to be able to choose. But the word of God is very clear. Amen. There, there is a moral basis. There is a moral law that God has instituted in the scripture. Immorality is also known as a complete loss of understanding between right and wrong. It's a loss of understanding. You cannot begin to distinguish between right and wrong. There was an example in the word of God when God called a man by the name of Jonah. Y'all remember that story? Jonah. And where did God send him? To Nineveh. And the Bible says that uh, Jonah fought God. He resisted God. He didn't want to go because he wanted, he really wanted those people to die. Jonah Jonah wanted Nineveh to die. He said, you know what? That's their punishment. They've been evil. They've been wicked. They need to die. I don't want to reach them, God. I don't want to preach to them. They're, 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 they're nasty, raw sinners, God. They need the judgment of the Lord. And even after Jonah went to Nineveh and preached the gospel, uh, and, 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 uh, and they repented and 
wrath, all the gnashing, and God turned from judging the people of Nineveh. And Jonah went off to his little retreat and began to complain, God, why did you do that? And the Lord said, uh, you know what, the people of Nineveh, they can't distinguish between their right hand and their left hand. They don't have a basis of of morality. Amen. They're lost without God. And there was all sorts of wickedness that took place in the city of Nineveh. But immorality is a loss of understanding between what's right and wrong. The next thing up here uh, is idolatry. In the New Testament, idolatry came to mean not only the giving to any creature or human creation, the honor or devotion which belonged to God. But it went a step further in the New Testament. It was giving the giving to any human desire a precedence over God's will. Anything that you give precedence over the will of God becomes a, can quickly become an idol in your life. If you say, you know what, I'm going to give precedence to my own desires. I'm going to, uh, I'm not necessarily bowing down to an, an idol made of a stone or an idol made of marble or whatever. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And you're beginning to put precedence upon your will over God's will. And the Bible says that in the, that becomes idolatry. And these are things that if we're not careful, we will struggle with because we want to put our will before his will. And we begin to serve self. Over the will of God. That will pop up very, very easily in our lives if we're not careful. The other item up here on the screen starts with a W. How many knows what that says? It's it's missing a T, I think. And uh, probably has a, yeah, it's missing a T on the last part there. Witchcraft. Now, this is an interesting one. At first I thought, you know what, does this really belong on the teaching lesson? Nobody thought that. You know, I don't naturally want to do witchcraft and cast spells. I don't naturally want to, uh, you know, bow down to Satan and and call up, you know, dead, you know, family members and so forth. I don't naturally want to do that. But I began to search that subject of witchcraft, and what I found in a more simplistic uh, way of explaining it was witchcraft was an an appeal. I want you to hear this. It's, it's an appeal to a power alien from God. It's an appeal to a power that's alien from God. When you begin to search out other powers in, in, in the world, in your life, to begin to meet needs that you that you say, you know, I, I need help with this, so I'm going to reach out to this other power in my life or this other power, you begin to practice witchcraft. According to the scholar Albert Barnes, he says, and this is just free, he says the word which is used here for uh, witchcraft is, uh, the, in the Greek, it's pharmakeia. Very interesting. Pharmakeia. Whence our word pharmacy comes. A medicine, a poison, a magic potion means properly the preparing and giving of medicine. But he make, one scholar begins to make a connection between Witchcraft and pharmacia. And I'm just going to say it like this. Sometimes we can become so dependent on medicine that we, we, we negate the power of God's work in our lives. We can become so dependent on, you know what, if, if I got a problem, I'm just going to take a pill because that's going to fix my problems. And we begin seeking powers that are alien from God. Moving on, the other word that's up here is variances. Variances is uh, something that 
we can all fall into very easily, uh, and it is contentious. There, there's, the, uh, there's a natural desire to be contentious sometimes. And if we allow the carnal nature to work in our lives and we allow the old branches of the old lives to begin to pop up in our lives, amen, there, we're going to begin to become hard to get along with. Hard to deal with, contentious. Some people, you talk to them and all they want to do is debate and argue. You wonder, man, what's the deal with this person? Trying to have a regular conversation. They're wanting to get into debate. They're wanting to argue. They're wanting to be contentious and they're wanting to strive all the time. And you know, you, you wonder, you know, what's going on with this person? It's a carnal nature. It's a carnal nature that has not been that has not been put down, that has not been allowed the Spirit of God to cut off the works of the flesh. Amen. And when you've got that carnal man, there's a you want to always contend and always want to argue and always want to fight and always want to debate and go back and forth and there's strife and there's no peace in the home. But when you get the Spirit of God, when you get the Holy Ghost on the inside, it is a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that passes all understanding. There can be people that argue about a fight, but I got the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to rise above it. I'm going to rise above it. I'm not going to fight and argue. These are things that happen naturally. These things happen naturally. And that's why we've got to be very cognizant and careful about that carnal nature. Another item up here is prayerlessness. Something that we all have are or will struggle with from time to time. I began to search this topic of prayerlessness in the scripture and I came to uh, the book of Job, believe it or not. Job chapter 15 and verse 4. Job chapter 15 and 4. You know what? Job chapter 15 and 1. Sister Gina, could you get that for us? Job chapter 15 and 1. This particular scripture we're going to start reading here for, for a moment really quickly happens after Job has lost everything. Job has lost all of his family except for his wife. He's lost all of his possessions. He's been dealt a very bad hand. Some of us, sometimes we feel like Job. And we think, man, I, I'm giving Job his competition. But Job, after all these things, you know, he said, I'm not going to curse God. You, you speak like a foolish woman. He told that to his wife. I'm not going to curse God. I'm going to, I'm going to follow God still. But even in the midst of the, struggle, the, the struggles and the trials that Job faced, he reached a point in his life where he began to fall into certain traps of prayerlessness. And here we read that he's beginning, uh, in, in actually Job chapter 14, the, the servant Job, is uh, he's beginning to kind of make his complaint known before his friends. And he's beginning to talk about his problems uh, he's beginning to look for someone to give him validation uh, for his condition. He's beginning to look for that. He say, he makes a statement in Job chapter 14, a man's days uh, is full of trouble, something along those lines. You probably remember that scripture. Uh, they're, they're short in number and they're full of trouble. That's what it looks like. And he began to complain to his friend, but in, in verse in verse number one of chapter 15, his friend, the Bible says, his friend Eliphaz, it says it like this. Then answered Eliphaz the Timonite and said, should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or with speeches wherewith he can do no good? He, should, he, should he engage in conversation that is not going to do him any good? 
And then here he says in Job 15 and 4, Yea, thou castest off fear and restrainest prayer before God. Eliphaz began to tell Job, you know what you're doing, Job? Is you're, you're, all you're doing is talking about your problems and you're, you're, you're casting a restraint from fear. You're not fearing God at this point anymore and you're, you're restraining yourself from prayer. In other words, Job, you're becoming a prayerless man. And God's not going to help you in your situation. Some of us, if all we do is talk about our problems and, and we unload on people, we say, man, good thing you're here because I need somebody to just unload on right now. And that's all you do is unload on people. And instead of taking your needs and your petitions to God in prayer and saying, God, I'm going to ask you in prayer to help me to overcome. I refuse to be a prayerless man and a prayerless woman. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to seek his face. Amen. I'm not looking. Amen. We can easily fall into the trap of looking for somebody to validate our condition. And we can look for somebody and say, yeah, you know what? You got it really bad. Uh, I, I feel really sorry for you. And that's all we're looking for. Yeah, you know what? You're really going through a hard time. And that's wonderful that we have people to talk to. And we need that. But it's, that should not be the extent of our desire. I'm just looking for somebody to validate my condition. Hey, beyond that, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to say, God, I will not live a prayerless life. I'm going to live in communication with God. Because in the book of Acts chapter 6 and 4, even the apostles said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I like what one preacher said some years ago was don't come talk to me about your problems until you first talk to God about them. Don't come talk to me about your problems until first you've had time in God's presence and you, you, you've unloaded your heart to God. Then you come talk to the pastor, the man of God, say, you know, I've been praying about this. I've been praying about this and I need some direction. That's so proper approach is that we first take it to God in prayer. We first take our knees to him in prayer and we say, God, uh, I've lost all of my kids. I've lost all of my possessions. I got sores all over my body. My name is Job. God, you might remember me. Maybe you've forgotten about me, but God, I'm going to bring my petition before you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. The other item up on this screen is on the top right. I believe it is the cares of life. And Jesus even makes a uh, reference to the cares of this life in the parable of the sower. The sower went forth to sow. Do you remember that one? The sower went forth to sow and some seeds fell among the wayside and some seeds fell among thorns, he says. The sower went forth to sow it, and in this specific uh, example, the seed that was sown among thorns, the, the Lord says those were the cares of, the, of this life or the cares of this world. Amen. These represent the cares, the anxieties, and the deceitful lure of riches. Amen. That There's nothing wrong with ambition, but when ambition begins to take over, your walk with God, your commitment to the things of God, and, and your ambitions begin to infringe upon your, your commitment to being faithful to church and faithful to God, the cares of this life. If you're not careful, honey, they're going to try and choke out the word of God. They're going to try and choke out the desire. And you will be looking at the church with eyes of indifference and eyes of carelessness because you allow the cares of life to overtake you, to overshadow you, to overwhelm you. And those thorns want to choke out that seed that God wants it to grow in our life. The cares of this life promise to make us happy. But when gained, they don't do it. They fail to accomplish that. 
The soul is never satisfied. There's the same desire to possess more wealth. And this is the end that results in death. In doing this, in doing in giving yourself over to the cares of this life is every temptation to be honest, to be dishonest, to cheat, to take advantage of others, to oppress others, and to wring their hard earnings from the poor. Every evil passion is therefore cherished by the love of gain. And it is no wonder that the word of God is choked. Because the cares of this life, they take two things. They take your time and they take your attention. They take your time and they take your attention. Anything in this life and in this world that chokes out the word of God from being sown in your life is a care of this world. If you find yourself suddenly, you know, I'm struggling to have time for prayer. You might want to check, have I allowed the cares of this life to overtake me? And I can't seem to find time to pray. You've got to begin to cut some things off. So you know what? Some of these things, uh, I'm going to just allow my, my, my boss to just deal with some things on Wednesdays so I can be in church. I'm going to allow uh, my boss to just deal with some things because Sunday morning I'm going to be in church. And I've got to have at least a little bit of time to pray on a regular basis. I cannot allow, amen, the cares of this life to choke out his word from my life. Moving quickly, a few more things that are up here is the subject of pride or self-exaltation or a lack of humility. It is exalting yourself above others and looking down on others with scorn and contempt upon others. And if we are not careful, these things will begin to pop up in our lives. We'll begin to say, you know what? I'm pretty good. That person, and they're filthy. They're rotten. Man, that person there, I remember when I was that messed up. Thank God he delivered me. And we'll begin to pray prayers like the, the publican. Thank God I'm not like this sinner I'm not like this, this, this sinner here. The Pharisee prayed that about the public. I'm not like this publican. Thank God I'm not like that. That's pride. And we don't want that to, to uh, come up in our lives. Uh, is it any wonder that the world, so for several years now, now designates one month out of the year for pride? Is it any wonder that the world celebrates pride one month a year, the month of June? They take out the month of June, they celebrate pride. It's, it's a sin. It is contradictory to the word of God. And, and, and this world will, will celebrate some of these things that we see up on a tree. They'll celebrate witchcraft. They'll, they'll, give, the, they'll give a speaker for witchcraft a, a, a platform and say, speak to us and give us your point of view. Because we don't want to exclude the witchcraft person. Uh, let, let's talk about the person that's full of hatred. And let's talk about uh, uh, you know, different groups that, that they, they just fight and they fight. And the world celebrates them. The subject up, up here is also hatred. Uh, in the Greek translation, it's enemy, enmity. We read that word uh, enmity. The, the Bible says in James chapter 4 and 4, the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Enmity with God. Ha- hatred and enmity, are go, they go hand in hand. So if you want to be a friend of the world, amen, you're going to hate him. The Lord said you either hate one or you love the other or vice versa. You can't love the world and love you love the Lord. You can't you can't love Jesus at, uh, as one preacher said. You can't love Jesus at, at eleven o'clock and I love Lucy at seven o'clock. It's got to be I love Jesus all the way. He's everything to me, and I'm not going to give my love to anybody else. And nobody else is going to infringe upon my walk with God. I'm going to love Him with everything that I've got. I've got to love Him with all that I have. 
Webster gives the definition of enmity, the quality of being an enemy, the opposite of friendship. It's ill will. It's hatred. It's unfriendly dispositions. It is a state of opposition. We begin to fight against God. We begin to hate the work that God wants to do. The, the scripture uses the word. Uh, in, in, uh, the, I think we had the, we read the reference earlier, uh, but it talks about that word that's called emulation. How many knows what emulation is? I did not know what it meant before I studied this. I am with you. Emulation is also known as jealousy. And we have that up on the screen. It's envies. It's I want what you have. I'm jealous because this person is blessed and I'm not. I don't appear to be blessed. I don't have everything that they have. we got to watch against that. And the final thing up here is the subject of anger. And this is an interesting one. I'm, I'm coming to a close. Uh, this is an interesting one because the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and 26 says, Be ye angry and what? And sin not. So there seems to be a distinction between anger and sin. But we have it up here on the screen as a work of the flesh. So how do you connect those two? Is it bad to be angry? Is that a sin? Because the Bible says be angry and sin not. But you can be angry without sinning. And when the Bible connects anger to the works of the flesh, it is referring to a violent passion. Or a desire for vengeance or revenge. It's that anger that says, you know, I, I, I want to I get violent and destructive. And that is something that that man on the inside, that woman on the inside, has the tendencies to do. Is if you get, if someone begins to push your buttons the right way, you will begin to come unglued. All of us have probably experienced it from time to time. Where someone begins to just work on us and work on us and all of a sudden you just comes out in a rage. And that is a work of the flesh. And we've got to keep that under control. You've got to keep that under control. If we could stand to our feet, amen, we're going to uh, move forward with the remainder of this service. And I did go a few minutes over, but I thank you for your attention. And uh, hopefully something that we said this morning is helpful in your growth and walk with the Lord. Uh, we want to grow in wisdom and in grace and stature before the Lord. And I believe that through teaching uh, the word of God and taking our time. Amen. We are going to grow. We're going to become what he wants us to become. And I believe that God is helping our church.